Welcome to Signs of Life, Exploring Survival of Consciousness, brought to you by Forever Family Foundation, on the web at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. I call your name, the echo is haunting, the echo is always the same. I call your name, the echo is haunting, an echo can never be changed, so I call your Hello and welcome to The Gathering on Signs of Life Radio. I'm Bob Ginsberg and I am here with Tom Gould and Melissa Gould. And we're here for our regular discussion show where we kick around your questions that you have sent in by email. Or if you'd like to join us uh, during the show, the number to call is 888-627-6008. Um, you know, before we get to the questions had a couple of things that maybe we could kick around and discuss. One of them, have you guys seen the the, the show Westworld when it was aired? You know, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. The original? I, not all of it. but Yeah, I, the original. Yeah, some of it. I, you know, I'm, I'm first, as you know, I'm first getting to all these, these streaming shows because I watch them at night. And a lot of them, I think, are quite good. Westworld, for those who are not familiar, was a series where, uh, there was this so-called resort world that was built by humans, um, and it was a world made up of human-like androids, um, and they were constructed with. Um, it's hard to tell them apart, but they were they were they were given um, direction of what they were supposed to do, you know, while they were there, and they were also given memories, you know. And it turns out that the designer, the original designer of these androids, imbued them also with consciousness that could evolve. So as the story goes on, you know, these people start to take over. But the point of this is that I was watching an episode and one of the uh, these androids who happened to be play the role of one of the executives of this resort company. He didn't even know he was an android. When he found out, he had been tortured because his memory was that he had lost a son. And he remembers being with his son in the hospital and his son passing away. And it's been traumatizing him. And he's been um, living with this and reliving it, you know, his whole so-called life. So he asked this programmer to please erase the memory of his son from his memory banks, thinking that that will enable him to live a more meaningful and productive life and not be caught up in this grief. And then that started me thinking, wow, I wonder if we asked people, and maybe Melissa, you might want to address this, you know, with a background in grief, but if you would ask people if they would like to have the memory of their deceased loved one um, eliminated, so that they wouldn't have to be in such pain and have suffering. Would anybody say yes? I mean, my my guess is that most people would say absolutely no, because right. that means, you know, the, the, what they had connecting them is love. And if you erase the memory, that love is gone. So what do you, what do you think? I don't, I, you, I would agree with you, Bob, you know, I'm sure it would give somebody a moment's hesitation initially until they grasp 
the fullness of what that would mean. And that, you know, that never to have loved, never to have lost, forget how that goes. But I, wasn't that the gist of that Jim Carrey yeah, movie? Yeah, the, the Spotless Mind. Uh, did you ever yeah. see that one? Yeah, yeah, right. I also think when, um, at some of our grief retreats, when Dr. Mohanna gives us a little bit of example of the rapid, the rapid eye movement yeah. experiment, and that, of course, is not erasing the memory of the person. It's just re- removing or lessening the effect that some of the elements of that loss have on you in your grieving process. Yeah. So that I definitely think people would go for, but not the gone, 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 never was. Right. Yeah, in fact, I, at our grief retreats, uh, more than one person talked about how the, the grief retreat, rather than you know looking ahead at an empty life, they were looking back and saying, wow, I was so blessed to have this person in my life for as long as I did. Uh, right. So I, I definitely, I think that, well, just in the Jim Carrey movie, he just, he was so distraught over losing his loved one. He didn't lose her. Uh, it was, uh, they broke up. And uh, so he wanted to erase her m- memory and and then the the movie goes that you they erase it from today and go back and they would erase it all the way back to before they uh he had met her and of course as soon as he got back to the point where they were happy together he didn't want to lose those memories and then it became a struggle of wait stop the process right right and it's the love that still connects you to 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 the person, even you know, in, in the other world. So I can't really see anybody wanting that, you know, to go away. But as you said, Melissa, sometimes what you could do is that you can change the way you think, um, and, and and also you could stop that loop where you keep reliving things, and that's where that therapy comes in. Um, we we have a, a lot of calls that are that are coming in. So before we get to our next. A topic. Let's take a, a call. We have um, um, Karen f- from California. Yes. Hi, Karen. Hi. You know, I sent in an email, but I thought just in case it wasn't addressed that I would call and ask. I, yeah. I recently, I recently, like three weeks ago, had to put down an absolutely beloved pet, like a soul pet. And yeah. I wonder if someone could address what happens when they pass. I've, I've been told it's what happens to humans, and I'm pretty sure what I believe regarding that. But I'd just like someone to address that if they can. Well, you know, from from our perspective, um, we witness mediums all the time bringing through uh, pets in readings um, when they bring through evidence um on a specific uh, loved one, um, they very often will say, for instance, you know, I, I have, you know, the do- your loved one has the dog and then go into some evidence uh, describing the dog and so forth. So it's clear that um, animal consciousness, you know, does survive physical death the way that human consciousness does. I think it's, unclear we just don't know whether or not animal consciousness 
progresses in the same way in the afterlife realms? You know, in other words, do they, hmm. does it constantly evolve and, and, and do you constantly get more enlightened as, as we believe that human consciousness does? I mean, that, I think that's up in the air, but um I don't think there's any question that our animals uh, and lots of people are greeted um, by their animals. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know that from near death experiences and and, and so forth. I mean, Tom and Melissa, you, you, you kind of feel the same way. Yeah, definitely. In fact, um, you know, once you cross over uh, a being crosses over and their pure energy then there really is no difference between us and our pets. And I've also <laughs> read in books about uh, uh, the the process of coming back to Earth, uh, reincarnate, that you know, maybe that some people think, well, maybe I'll come back as a tree or maybe I'll come back as a dog and, you know, live, live the dog's <laughs> life, as it were. So I, I think that uh, you're... Uh, your dog would definitely survive. And then, of course, the question comes up, well, if they're coming back as a human, how will I ever see my dog again? And, and you, you know, they, their soul exists. And when you cross over, their soul will show themselves to you in the way that you love them. Is they love you. They want to show their love for you. They want to greet you when you come over. And they will present themselves the way you want to see them. And I also feel that sometimes... No, go ahead. I know it at our grief retreats, often the attendees have had the loss of pets. And those who have lost a spouse or a child don't think that it's the kind of grief that the pet lover is experiencing equals theirs. But I have to say that I think the loss of a pet is love of the purest kind because when we lose, let's say a spouse, that spouse represented more than just the person we loved. They probably did things for us that now we miss that person who did things for us, you know, whether it was they cooked for us or they shopped for us. A pet you doesn't do anything but love you. The pet's always mm-hmm. just there to be your companion and keep you cheerful and active. So I think that the loss of a pet, if if people are taking that more seriously, they really should. I, I, Karen, I, I totally hope, agree. I hope that answers your question and, and thanks for calling thank, in. Yeah, thank you. You're right. Bye bye. I maybe we'll take another caller. Um we still have uh, Jackie from Ohio. Yes. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the gathering. Hi, Bob, um, Melissa, and Tom. I was fortunate enough to uh, spend a weekend with you last month in Florida at the grief retreat. Oh, yes. And, hi, uh, Jackie. Hi. Nice to speak to you again. And for anybody that's listening, um, if you don't sign up to go to one of these, you, you have no idea what you're missing out on. My my grandson left us two years ago, and it's been um, it's been a struggle. And my daughter and I went, and when she got back, she posted on Facebook that she through this through the retreat, she was able to find a peace in her heart that she never thought was possible, and that meant everything to me. That that was more than I ever could have hoped for. 
coming out, out of something like that. So all of you, thank you from the bottom oh. of our hearts for everything that you did at that retreat. It was amazing, amazing. Oh. Thank, thank you so you. much for mentioning it. That, that's thank so you. Good to hear. Thank you yeah. so much, Jackie. Yeah. But I do have a question for you, and, oh, and actually okay. this is her question. Um, when spirits come through, they come through um, mediums, and is it, do they, they come through differently through mediums, so is that the medium or is that the spirit? They Coming through different mediums, um, do they favor one or the other, or do they just find it easier through one medium versus the other? How does that work? I mean, I think that's true, what you said. I think that um, certain people in spirit have more of an affinity with one medium than another. Um, okay. and, and Or some may not even want to come through um, a particular medium for reasons that we can't understand. And that's why a reading, you know, won't manifest itself. Um, and other times, you know, bear in mind that, you know, you could put three or four mediums, you know, together and they're, they may all be getting the same information, but the way that they communicate that information to you as the sitter may be completely different. So, you know, a lot of it is mm-hmm. similar to a game of charades. They get the pure information that's being communicated, but if they're not skilled at translating that into language, um, you know, you're going to have a different experience from one medium to the next. That's true. So my daughter and I bought your book, Bob, and and it's and it's, it's I'm reading it. It's very helpful. It's very down to earth. It's very logical and it explains everything very well. And um, I I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. But as as a sitter, because the experience that we had there from the mediums was that they do receive information and they share that with you. But what if you have a question? What it, how do you ask a question when when you're doing a reading? Oh, but spirit can hear you. You just ask. You could interrupt, say, may I ask? And if you say, will you ask them for me? And the medium should say, well, you don't need me to ask the question. Just ask the question and it will be heard. And then hopefully so the out loud, out loud. Is that out yes. loud or in your head or? Either way, really. They, yeah, they communicate with thought. So if you think the question, but. As Melissa says, and as the medium will say, a lot of times you'll be in a reading and they say, well, I have somebody standing right next to you. Well, that's that's how they are. They, they come in and they stand right next to you. And whereas they can't communicate to you directly, you need the medium to interpret, they can hear you. So, yeah, just ask. Yeah, and I might add, I mean, but, but during a reading, um, when the medium is conducting a reading with you, um, you want the medium to be able to keep giving you information. I mean, you don't really want to be asking questions during the reading. You know, you want you want the evidence to come forth from the medium. So, I mean, it's a great practice to ask your loved ones in spirit to come before the the session, or, or even in your own mm-hmm. um, in your own intentions, but. Um, you know, sometimes the meeting might say to you during a reading, or is there anything that you want to ask? Um, I mean, normally I want, you know, I would want the medium to give you most of the information. And I mean, if they give you a lot of evidence, 
and and they're you're convinced that they are connected to your loved one, and then they ask you if you want to ask a, a question, and you do. Um, you could, but you know the evidence might not be strong because it might be a, a general statement or a rhetorical question as opposed to something specific. So I don't know you if know, that makes sense. But could I add too, Bob? I mean, yeah. the, the purpose of the reading is important too, and as Bob said, and here with you know those of us at the foundation, we're always looking for evidence. But I recall it being gifted a reading with a medium and I just approached, and this was many years ago and I just approached it like I'm a believer. I'm not testing this medium. I just want to have a conversation with my loved one. And that's exactly what it was. And, and I think the question part could come up because there's probably a lot of information coming into that medium. And unless you vocalize what specifically you might want to hear the media might not be able to get that for you, but it, it sort of narrows it down. Oh, let's talk about that. Okay. You know, well, let's talk about that. So I think it depends on the circumstances. It would never happen during, you know, tr- trying to prove evidence, but if you're all in and you trust the medium, I would, I would make the most of it. Yeah, and Bob touched on it before that, uh, and I've heard of from a lot of sitters that when they are going to the medium, they haven't gotten to the medium yet, they're in their car or whatever, and they're on their way, they talk to their loved ones saying, I want to hear from you, but I want you to, t- I want you to tell me about the, the, uh, the boat that we had or something like that. And if you do that ahead of time, uh, then you you can get things answered. So ask your questions before you even show up for the reading, and, and a lot of times you'll get the answers. A lot of times you okay. won't. Okay. Well, thanks for calling, well, uh, Jackie. Uh, yes, thank you very much, and um, enjoy your show, and uh, listen to it every week, and um, it okay. has been so helpful to both of us. So thank you all for what you, you do. We We certainly appreciate you. Thank you. We thank appreciate you, so you. We appreciate you. you too, Jackie. Thanks. Thank you. Uh huh. So, bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye. So I uh, wanted to bring up something that I know Tom and and, and Melissa and I were talking about before, um, more on a, on a personal level. Is that some of you may have watched um, the Netflix Surviving Death series, and and in one of the episodes, episode four, uh, you know. I'm in it and Fran is in it and, and the foundation is, is featured, including filming at one of our grief retreats. So anyways, I don't hear from our members or a public often about this, but I got an email a couple of days ago from a woman and she said, you know, Bob, do you realize that while, um, if you did watch the series, you'll see that I gave Netflix some film footage that Fran took when we were talking about my deceased daughter and we walked into our kitchen and we were treated to like a 4th of July light show that was going on, you know, and then um, it really was quite incredible. And of course, Fran immediately knew that it was our deceased daughter that was putting on this show. And if you know me, I'm a little bit more cautious. So as the light show is going on, I'm thinking, okay, I've got to get an electrician in here to figure this out. And um, after the it's it stopped, uh, went on for about ten minutes. 
Um, Mike, I did get a, an electrician there the very next morning, and there were nine hi-hats in the kitchen, and I had him take down every one of those fixtures, all nine of them, and inspect them. And then when he didn't find anything, then I had him take off all the light switches to look for any potential problem, and there was none. So what I did was, effectively, I satisfied myself by, I think what we should all do is first you eliminate the physical explanations. I did that. There was absolutely nothing wrong with the fixtures or the light switches, plus the fact that um, we had been living, we lived in that house 20 some odd years. It never, nothing like that ever happened. There was no disturbance anyplace else in the house. And it never happened again after that. So I will, people ask about signs. I take that, you know, as a hello from my daughter. But then this woman writes in and says, do you realize that as soon as Fran um, said, there's Bob, like in the video, um, there's an image that scooted across the bottom of the screen. And I, I said, come on, I, everybody would have seen it. Surely the Netflix people would have seen it and nobody else has mentioned it. And then I... Um, I went back and I watched the the film again and I saw it. And then, so then what I did is I had the, the raw footage that Fran took. So I watched that and I stopped it just at, at the point where the, the image comes across the bottom of the screen. And I didn't know what to make of it. It was, there was, it was kind of like a, holy shit moment for me because I said, what, what is that? You know, I mean, it, it's, it, it's clear. And then, so we've been going back and forth and um, there may be a physical explanation for it. You know, um, I, I've been going back and forth with, with various people. And I know Tom has, has done it frame by frame. And uh, this is one of the producers that, you know, at, 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 uh, the production company has, but my point is that there are certain things that, may have physical explanations and some that um, that do not, you know, and, and it's the ones that, and you just have to, you have to go through the motions and you have to eliminate, you know, you can't take every single thing as a sign. And because I didn't, that, that, that light show was an incredible sign for me that I can accept and I don't question, you know, but if I didn't, if I didn't call that electrician, there'd always be that question in my mind. So I, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it. Um, I know, I know both of you are kind of leaning towards a, um, well, what, what, what you don't know, Tom, cause you didn't read, I don't know if you got a chance to read my last email. Is that, bug? Yeah. So the, 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 the production um, guy said to me, by the way, cause he was scanning the raw footage. He said, and he told me the spot, he called it a bug. He said, you could call it an orb, but he didn't particularly believe in orbs, but there's an orb that's flying darting around the kitchen at the same time that this is happening that I want to go back and watch because yeah. that might be significant, you know, and you have the raw footage. You can watch it too, Tom. So we'll see. We'll have to reconvene on that. <laughs> oh, really? That, even, yeah. Other than that uh, apparition? Other, yeah. We, we both other? didn't notice it, but he told me the exact second that it appears and where it goes, wow. you know? So now, so to, now to me that tied in with this, image that or apparition or whatever you want to call it makes it more a little bit more significant and leaning towards the spiritual explanation than the physical but it remains to be seen you know well that's yeah that's interesting and but of course it clearly with the lights doing what they were doing spirit was strong at the time in the room so right. to, to think that the lights 
I mean, the lights were something physical on our plane. The other things were the the spirit actually doing it there that's doing it. So I, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I still leaning towards that, that we caught something significant. There's another thing that dawned on both of us uh, when we went back to the Netflix to watch it there and it was, it was there and we've watched it in the original, which I've seen many times. We, we sort of together came up at the same time with when do you think that those images were printed on the film? Kind of like EVP, but it's a physical thing. And, and was it done back way two years or how many ever years ago? And we, we just never noticed it or is it something in the last month has been imprinted and we looked at it again and goes, Hey, I never noticed that before. Well, maybe it wasn't there before. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. And that, and that happens a lot with, with, you know, like the, the EVP and, and, and things of that nature. And um, so, and even one of the mediums suggested that, you know, that is it's possible that somebody in spirit can imprint an image of themselves or something else on tape you know similar to yeah. so there's everything's on the table so we'll i'll report back on that you know <laughs> uh, before we go back i mean there's a bunch of, of email questions I, I have to get to um uh, let's see uh one person says well she's a novice at this so she's got a lot of questions you know so, <laughs> she, so she, she she brought a few of them um one of them was can our loved ones read our minds well um, I would say, um, I would say yes, because people in, um, that are not in the physical, in the spirit world, that are in the physical world, have the ability psychically to read somebody else's mind. So why not be able to do that from the spirit realm? It's still mind-to-mind commun- communication. They don't have a body, but they still have a mind, still have a consciousness, still have a soul. Um, so they can not only um, I don't know if it's necessarily reading your mind, but it's communicating with your mind and imprinting thoughts and so forth. You know, so I don't know if they if they know what we're going to do next, um, but they could put a thought in our head of what we should do next. You know, yeah. I kind of look at it like that. You know, yeah. I know uh, I think of thought like thought transference because we know when we're in spirit form, we won't have a voice to speak. It'll all be communicating through our thought our thoughts which i'm looking forward to because i'm not very good with expressing my thoughts but they're really deep they really are so so in other words you have great thoughts but it just loses something in the translation right it won't be one in the other world all right that that makes sense yeah and then accounts of near-death experiences will back that up where somebody says Suddenly I was in this other realm and there was my loved one and she was talking to me, but I, I, you know, there wasn't words. We just sort of knew what each other was talking about. So, yeah, it's, there is a lot of that. And, uh, you know, and and things like uh, you're thinking about your uncle and the phone rings and it's your uncle. Now, 
you know, where'd that come from that you all of a sudden there, there he is on the phone when you were just thinking about them. So there's an energy coming your way that you can, you can pick up on. Right. Um, this one uh, person writes, I, I'd love to hear an in-depth answer on the difference between soul and spirit. Um, I, I don't know about in-depth uh, the way well, I think. Th- has a great in-depth answer. Yeah, but, but, but can she express it? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I, this may be simplistic, but when I think of um, a soul, I think as um, the mind or, or a consciousness of somebody that extends beyond the physical body. Um, and, that, and that there may be many, many parts and components to this greater soul. When I think of spirit, it's more of a cumulative thing, like how a person goes to spirit, meaning they go to the spirit realm, or a lot of mediums will say, well, spirit says, or, you know, so I think spirit is a more general term um, where the collection of souls reside. Is that, I don't know if that makes any sense. But but, or, or even the other way around, if I could flip it, is that yeah. you're s- because we've been told uh, and, and through readings and that sort of thing that your soul, it, it always comes up when we're talking about reincarnation. But, you know, how can, if somebody passed away and they're reincarnated, how are they going to greet me on the other side? Is because, well, your soul has many, many parts and your soul can have a, a part down here on the physical world or it can be a, back in the 1700s at the same time. There are many, many, like, as Seth would say, tentacles, where your soul goes out and does different things. And so to me, uh, when they say spirit, like a medium says, well, spirit is talking to me, it's just one little part of your soul that is coming to communicate with uh, someone here on this this thing. So I th- I think soul is the big picture. And, uh, you know, if you want to get really in-depth and big, there's only one soul. We're all one. You've heard that expression, that when you go in a crossover, I mean, you have your consciousness. You've, you, you don't necessarily have the ego that you have here. I mean, we have egos here. We walk around thinking we're, we're the only thing on the planet a lot of the times and, uh, you know, that everything revolves around us you know, as, as little puny humans, but, uh, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, we're all, it's all one energy. It's the, the, the energy, the love of the universe. And, uh, and we're all part of that. And we have little, we can break off, you know, our, our medium, John Holland had a wonderful, uh, uh description when somebody asked about that very thing of think of your, your soul is your hard drive, and it's there on your computer. But then you're down here on the on the desktop, and uh, you want to play a game. Will you pull up that? That's an app. So with that same principle, your soul is the hard drive, and we here in the physical, our life, we're an app off of the hard drive. And when you know when our uh, subscription runs out and we go back to the the big hard drive we'll be part of the hard drive again and and then maybe we'll open another app somewhere else 
And yeah, some apps are better than others, right? And sometimes yes. our apps don't work, but <laughs> all right, let's. Um, I'll read this one. Has anyone ever heard of an NDE type situation of someone tending to a loved one passing over? Can it happen to someone fully conscious? I witnessed a fog emit from his body at the moment of his passing, talking about their loved one, and almost immediately my life transformed. I witnessed a fog emit from his body at the moment of passing, and almost immediately my life I've got that. I felt incredible love, gratitude, abundance. I stepped outside and the colors and the flowers were vivid um, and my hearing acute, a clear cognizance, among other things. My thought processes and everything changed. Yes, I grieve his physical uh, presence, but these experiences have changed the grieving process for me. I, sort, I had a sort of NDE myself where I was taken to the edge of this world and the next bestowed with gifts and understandings. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are many people that have near-death experiences that aren't actually close to death themselves, but usually they're in a precarious or perilous situation. You know, they're in a car accident and they feel themselves heading towards a cliff or sliding off the road or their parachute won't open or whatever, you know, um, and they, um, they're not actually close to death and they turn out to be perfectly safe, but um, yet they have these NDE experiences. And it sounds like, you know, this, I mean, I haven't specific, specifically heard of somebody having an NDE while watching somebody pass over, but I can understand it. it it's more of a spiritual awakening, you know, uh, yeah. that you had, you know, it, it is a, of kind of a spiritual experience for many people being with a loved one when they pass. I know. uh, I feel like they're being taken on the journey. They get to go, you know, a little bit into the other side. Right. But, but they're not dying. So they're not going to get to go the whole way, but they got a glimpse. Yeah. You know, and my mom passed and uh, we needed, actually she hadn't passed yet, but she was, had lost consciousness and uh, we, we were taking her to the hospice and I helped the, uh, uh, the ambulance driver move her off of the bed onto the gurney. And, uh, you know, as soon as we lifted her, I, she went, ah, oh, like that. And then I could feel a whoosh go right through me. I, I could, uh, there was a scent and there was a feeling and I, I felt that she was leaving her body at the time. And, uh, you know, within 24 hours, she was gone, but she'd never uh, regained consciousness. Yeah. And and, and Raymond Moody and others have written about shared death experiences. Um, uh, So, you know, where the loved one who's who's, uh, with their dying person actually sees the same thing or experiences the same thing that the dying person experiences. So the loved one, uh, I mean, the dying person might see somebody coming to greet them um, from the other world. And so does the, you know, the daughter that's sitting with mom as this is happening. So those things do exist. So that's probably what, you know, this person went through. Yeah. That sounds like it. Yeah. Um, Here's one. There's no question that there is an enormous amount of unjust suffering in this world. Good people die and the evildoers go on living. Coping with the loss of a loved one is difficult enough, but seeing the evildoer escape any real accountability 
or punishment is at times unbearable? Do you have any knowledge or mediumship confirmation that there is moral justice or some kind of accountability upon the evildoers in the afterlife? Um, I've got, you know, good, good question. I think that afterlife justice is something that we all, you know, wonder about, you know, do the, the, um, evil goers, as you put it, uh, in this world, go to the same place that, that, that you're going to go. And, and if so, that doesn't seem fair. Right. So, so what do we know? I mean, most of what we know comes from, um, channeled reports of people who, who talk about these various realms and they say that, people that cross over um, tend to go to a realm or a sphere or a dimension, whatever you want to call it, of like-minded people, people that think like you and and have the moral um, compass that you do. And uh, and that's where you reside for a while. But I think that um, also they, it's, the literature seems to, to say that all people um, – progress and evolve eventually. It may take longer than others, but there's help. Um, and then again, there's the other thing is, is we're thinking in physical terms where, you know, maybe that evil SOB in this life was something different than another life, but the oversoul said, you need to go back and have this physical physical experience of being evil to see, to round out your thing. So I, I don't know, it's a hard concept to grasp, but um, I mean, what, what do you, th- what do you guys think about justice in the afterlife? Well, you've heard me say enough times, you know, the life review kind of levels it out because you're seeing exactly the effect of the actions you took and how you made others feel. I'm sure that is too simplified for somebody who, you know, somebody really was evil and you kind of hope they have to pay for it. I recall not too clearly, but in that movie with Patrick Swayze, Ghost, when he was on the subway, he had first died, I believe. He didn't first know he was even dead. You know, he he, he didn't right. know. But I recall something, maybe getting on a subway train as if all the bad souls or energies were trapped on that. And as even though I cannot recall what exactly I saw, I remember, you know, commenting, wow, I'll bet that's what it's really like. Like, that's hell. That's what a hell is. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought you were going to mention a book that we mention author. It's called Testimony of Light, which is a channeled account of the other side. And yeah, there was a person who came over who was a, a Nazi and uh, did horrible things. And um, he was taken into a, a, a dark room and had, and had to be a guide, had to help them. So it's not like you're scot-free. Right. Uh, the other thing that's sort of uh, interesting is the thought that, well, the evildoers seem to get, you know, nothing happens to them. They continue living and the good people die. And, you know, in the back of my head is, yeah, well, who's the lucky one there? (laughs) The the good people get to go off into uh, paradise and the evildoers are stuck here in this miserable world that we're, you know, talking about. Yeah. I tend to think of it along the lines, you know, that 
Melissa uh, mentioned is, is that, you know, so when, when people have this life review, they, they get to feel, um, and it's painful, you know, to feel the hurt that they cause to others. You know, they also feel the love, but so, you know, they're overwhelmed. Um, I would imagine with some sort of remorse by experiencing what they, what they did to others. Well, maybe that carries over. It's not just in the dying process, but even after we die, you know, maybe that feeling stays with us for longer than it might be somebody else, you know? And, so, and that's like when yeah. Tom said staying in a dark room, like they don't get to start to enjoy the beauty of the other side, but yeah. they're kept isolated. And we often uh, see in a reading that somebody will come through and the sitter goes, well, I don't want to talk to him. You know, well, ah, that guy was a bastard. But nine times out of 10 or 10 out of 10, the spirit is coming back to apologize for the pain that they cause. So there is, uh, there is definitely a, uh, a retribution on the other side. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of questions come in um, about people who read Michael's Michael Newton's books, you know, and I have another, you know, question here. Um, I don't quite know how to, how to answer it, but, you know, mentioned, she said that Michael Newton mentions that members of our family are often members of our soul groups, but particularly siblings. However, he says that parent child relationships aren't necessarily part of soul groups. He mentions that when one passes a parent or a child may be present, but then we'll go, we'll just go about their business with limited contact beyond that in the afterlife. I don't know. That doesn't really resonate with me, but um, uh, I don't know. I, I will say for the, uh, the people that have been reading Michael Newton's books, I did interview him years ago. I mean, he's passed now, but um, if you go on the uh, radio archives on Signs of Life Radio um, on foreverfamilyfoundation.org and put in Michael Newton, the interview that we did with him, I think it was either one or two um, will come up and he'll probably, he probably addresses a lot of these things in the interview. And it was so long ago, I don't even recall, but, but, but when he, when he, this is what I don't remember him saying that, that a, with a parent and a child relationship, they kind of go their separate ways and they're not part of a soul group. Um, have you ever heard anything like that? Uh, well, but it triggered something that, because it bothered me to say that, you know, you, just because you're a sibling, you're in the same soul group. I, you know, I have a little issue with that. Um, and as parent and child, I think, <clears throat> let's just put it out there. I mean, everybody's got somebody in their family that is just bad news. Let's put it that way. Uh, uh, you know, it's not simpatico, <laughs> not simpatico with the rest of the family. Yeah, I believe that they, you know, like the parents or even the other siblings are, are good, decent people, that this particular person was inserted into this family because they needed to learn about goodness and kindness and things like that. And you know, they're coming from the other side and saying, well, we're going to put you with these people and see if we can straighten you out that way. Uh, I, I more subscribe to that, that, that some of the people on this earth 
are here because they need the people around them to try to guide them so that they won't be coming back over and over and over again to learn this lesson. You know, it, it reminds me, and I, I probably shouldn't tell <laughs> personal stories like this, but my daughter, when she became engaged to her now husband, we hadn't met our, the future in-laws yet. But my daughter, just on one occasion, told me that she felt that her future mother-in-law had been her child at one time. And she was so protective of her. Now, not too long ago, I mentioned that to my daughter and she couldn't recall telling me that. So it might have been just something in that in a, in a moment that she had the need to express this. And she certainly was very protective of her, her, her mother-in-law has now passed but of both of her in-laws, very protective. So it, it's, it's very interesting to contemplate that. Yeah. Here's one I really, I don't have a clue to how to answer. It's just, you know, um, asking again, what our, our pets do on the other side, besides play with the other animals, um, you know, uh, an animal medium told um, him that, her horse was not around anymore because he was training to be a master guide. Um, I, I don't know. I, the skeptical nature in me, if you go to an animal medium and they say that your, your pet is trained to be a master guide is, you know, it's like all these people that talk about past lives and they were always like the King of England or, you you know, but they were never a porter cleaning toilets, you know? So, you know, so I, I mean, so I don't know what to make of that. I'm not saying it's not possible, but sure. Um, you know, they also mentions that mediums have told them that the pets have um, often become spirit guides. Now I know people talk about having spirit animals, right? A lot, a lot of people, you know, talk about that. So I, I don't doubt it. Um, if there's, if, if, if human conscious consciousness has spirit guides, why not? animal consciousness so i don't dispute it it's just when they say things like becoming master guides or uh, so forth i i don't know just no way to verify it you know i know when it gets a little too specific like that i mean we obviously we don't know the answers and that's why it's called the great unknown and we have all these mysteries ahead of us what if we knew everything we'd be like what what are our options if we were hearing stuff we don't like about the other side and (laughs) <laughs> what are our options? Yeah. So I like it that it's a mystery. Yeah. I, I, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at some of the questions that come in. Um, one person just wants to know, how do you know what path to take in life? Well, <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I mean, that, that may be a, a better question for a, you know, for, for, for a psychic, even though in a psychic, you may have 10 different paths and free will is going to point you in one direction or another. So you you can't even rely upon that. Uh, The only advice I would give is what path to take in life, go by your, uh, go by your intuition, you know, and then, and go where you go, where you're directed, you know, go with the flow, of course, is a a great expression that has worked well for me. And I, I think it's uh, Rather than worry about what path to go, you'd look inward and and make sure that you are a, a loving, compassionate soul with 
deals in kindness and and understanding and your path will lead you to some great places it's funny that you should say that because i was just thinking uh you know this time of year i have a birthday coming up and i uh, uh just thinking about it and i thought i came across the phrase that you know now that i'm further along in life and i look back at my younger days and i realize that i have not lived the life that i imagined i would however I believe I've lived the life I always dreamed of. That's a good way to look at it. You know, that's a good lyric for one of your songs. I hope you're (laughs) wrong. I'll write it down, okay? (laughs) That could be the refrain, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Here's a question. Uh, Is there an ebb and flow to the signs that we get from from spirit? And... um, as for example, uh, more at sometimes than others. I, I guess I'd say yes. There is an ebb and flow. Yeah, sometimes people report getting um, having periods where signs are coming in left and right, and and then signs are not coming at at all. Um, I mean, we've discussed this before, but it seems like signs are more frequent um, closer to someone's passing than after many years have passed, and. There may be a lot of reasons for that. One of it, which is immediately when you when you cross over, what's the most important thing to you? Well, giving a message to your loved ones to let them know that you still exist. And they do that in the form of, of evidence of things that you would recognize. They may seem mundane, but they know that you'll recognize it. So they, they talk about that. And maybe as years go by or years as we know it, um, they're evolving and they know that you'll be there soon. Um, and it's not as important, you know, you know, so yeah. who, who knows? I don't know the reason for that, but I, you guys have noticed that too, just oh, definitely. not only among yourselves, but in people that, you know, that after a while they'll say to you, how come I'm not getting the signs that I used to get? Right. Right. I, and I don't, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to look at it. Our lives are busy. Uh, of course, we always want the signs and, and, and maybe some, a lot of them are happening when we're not so tuned in and spirits going, Hey, you know, I'm sending you these and you're not even looking. And then when we are looking, they've, you know, moved on to their other adventures, but we don't, again, the great unknown. Yeah. and Well, you know, I mean, I've heard that this, this place that we're in now is, is like a, a school of sort that we're here to learn something we're here to to help develop our uh, our souls, uh, and I feel that if we are led by the hand by those who have crossed over, then we're not going to learn anything for ourselves. Yeah, they could give us all the answers; they could be there every day with a sign, but then we would rely on that, and we wouldn't live our lives. We, the number one you know, to go back to what you say, when if somebody dies and they go to the other side, and from what we've heard from the NDE, the first thing they go is, wow, this is amazing over here. This is beautiful. And what do you want to do? You want to turn around and tell, hey, did you see that? Oh, wait, you're, you can't see this yet. And, and then you look back and there's your loved one crying. And it's like, oh, don't cry. This is great. You know, and then and they immediately want to send you something to say, no, I'm okay. Everything's okay. 
look, 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 see, I'm showing you something. You, we'll That's be, cool. It'll be fine. And, and, and I also point out and often is that our soul is eternal, eternal, thousands and thousands of years for our soul. Here on earth, a hundred years, if, you know, if, you know, very few get there, you know, Betty White almost got there, you know. So in terms of thousands of years, what's a hundred years? It's a blip. It's like a weekend. I mean, our (laughs) year on earth is like a weekend in our soul terms or or even less. I'll, I'll even use my other thing that I like to throw in is it's like a carnival ride. You're not, you're on a, a Ferris wheel and life is a Ferris wheel and you're going around and around and you're up in one bucket and then another bucket stops and your parents get off. And it's like, Oh no, you got off. You know, I'm still on the ride and you're off the ride. And they're down there waving up at you going, yeah, we'll, we'll see you when you get off the ride. But you know, you got to enjoy the rest of the ride is the message. Just, you know, live your life and, and you will see these people again. Yeah, and of course, the follow-up to that person' question is, you know, do all loved ones send signs? You know, it's interesting because if I think about it, if I were to say to my ninety-four-year-old father, "Hey, Dad, do you ever get any signs?" He'd look at me like, "What? What are you talking about? You know, like signs?" You know, or or, or if I would have asked my grandmother, hey, "Grandma, you, you ever get signs?" I mean, so a part of it is is um, understanding what we're talking about, obviously, and then. Um, whether they believe in it, you know, I mean, they were probably taught that when, you know, when you're dead, you're dead and, you know, and that's it. So it's not possible. So they wouldn't even recognize a sign if they got it. Um, yeah. That's but, interesting. We, we have a friend who's uh, unfortunately lost his wife and, and, you know, we're trying to comfort him in that. And we sort of bring up, Melissa brings up, well, you know, look for the signs. And he goes, ah, I don't believe in that. No signs, no signs. <laughs> and then as we're talking, he's retelling a story and we're looking at each other. He goes, that's a sign. <laughs> so he's getting the signs, but no, no, he's not getting the sign. Yeah, I know. But now, the same thing happened when, when my, my father's um, oldest brother passed away um, and he was a um, hundred and a half, you know, when, when he died. And then, so the, the night he died, you know, we're back at my father's house and my father said, you know, I was the strangest thing happened. I was watching TV. He went, you know, he watches TV late and in the middle of my show, you know, like the TV just went off, you know, for no apparent reason, you know? So I, I remember uh, him thinking that, that that was so strange. It never happened before. And Fran said something like, you know, you think that could be a sign from Uncle Phil, like saying hello, uh, but it was like talking to a wall, you know. Yes, it's strange, but, you know, not that strange, you know. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I, I think uh, we've reached the end of our road here for tonight. Um, thank uh, everybody for uh, joining in. We'll we'll see you again soon. Have a good evening. Um, and we'll see you again next month on The Gathering. Everybody have a good one. And now it's time to say, our loved ones are only a heartbeat away. And science is going to prove it. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.